0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pog Prescription. I am your host, GamerDoc. I am so invigorated and excited right now. Let me just tell you, I have spent the last week in LA and it is so incredible to actually be working with a team, hands-on, longitudinally. I, if you, I don't know why you guys would know this, but I've been named the Director of Player Performance for Evil Geniuses and I spent the last week working with their LCS and Academy players and it was just Absolutely incredible. Absolutely amazing. I am in the middle of this revolution in esports where we are respecting the old ways, respecting the way things used to be and the way that training used to be, but starting to learn new trip tricks and tips and ways to improve that aren't just grinding and aren't just the old ways and aren't just the ways that have worked in the past. And while I'm in... LA, just working and and loving my life. This manifesto gets dropped by one of the guys over at TSM. If you haven't read it, please go on to Twitter and just Google North American LCS development Parth. I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But if you don't know, if you now you know, and it's a sixty page document on why the lcs sucks basically and he doesn't write it like that but that was my interpretation and but he brings out these amazing ideas for improvement and we're not going to have time in this episode to cover everything because everything he says is relevant and everything he says can be applied to every single esport out there. So I really wanna go over the next either two or three episodes, go through his major points that I am obsessed with. And a lot of these things we've talked about in the show before, but because he has this incredible knowledge base, he's been in he's been working in the North American legal agency for the past ten years. Because he has this amazing knowledge base he has perspectives that are different than mine and it's also so cool because he definitely mentions health and performance and in every couple of pages he says something about needing health or physical performance people on the teams and that's the part where I am good at right but it's the part that he goes into that are things that I understand conceptually but he goes into specifics so what I want to talk about is his emphasis on early specialization right so in traditional sports you are five years old you love playing soccer in the backyard you love running around you love chasing after bubbles and chasing after bubbles is just as serious as kicking the ball around right you learn to love the game and it's fun and there's very little competitive aspect to it Well, as you develop and grow throughout your athletic career, your focus becomes different, right? Your focus becomes different unless you start to train and put emphasis on different areas of the game. Now, that's not what I want to talk about, but I'm going to use this analogy. He's talking about how in esports, we focus on early specialization. And this is something that in traditional sports, there has been a focus on. And there still is a focus on, but we have some good data on. So if parents push their seven-year-old to be the best soccer player that exists, then a lot of things are going to happen to that kid that we know by studies. One is they're going to get injured more frequently and easily. They're going to have a higher incidence of a career-ending injury because instead of developing all of their muscles, they're just developing their soccer muscles. And two is they're going to get burnt out. They're going to get burnt out because that fun, that excitement that leads to them wanting to play the game as a 12-year-old dissipates really quickly when you look at a kid who plays soccer and basketball and football and hockey and chess and also plays the trumpet. You have that fun and that excitement. Now, It's hard because you look at the best players of all time, Tiger Woods, right? One of the best golfers of all time. And if you ever saw the Tiger Woods documentary, you know how specialized that kid was. But let's look at Tiger in the rest of his life. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And that's a hard question to answer because it depends on what your goals are. But for me, I'd rather be happy in my life. Uh, but everyone makes a different decision. So early specialization in traditional sports, we know has a lot of really bad outcomes. But if you look now at eSports, we have still a huge emphasis on early specialization. And I'm going to be, if you're tuning in virtually or visually and you could see me, I am going to be looking at my notes a lot because most of the time, I read a concept or, I, or I, I read or learn about something and it's kind of spitballing. We're, we're having a conversation, me and you. You're in your mind or whatever and I'm just talking at you. But I'm, I'm really drawing a lot from Parth's, note, Parth's notes so I don't want to get them wrong. Uh, and so when he's talking about early specialization – He's specifically talking about League of Legends. So if you don't know a lot about League, basically, you know, you there's five, it's a 5v5 game, and it everyone has a role, right? So you're either a top laner, mid laner, bottom laner, or you're a support role for the bottom laner, or you're a jungler. And this is as fixed as quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, defense, kicker, right? You don't switch lanes. You don't switch roles. Except for One of the players, Fudge, recently uh, switched roles in the LCS, but it's very rare to switch roles once you already are a professional. It's not like, you know, the difference would be like in, in middle school football, you know, your linebacker is also your quarterback, who is also your place kicker, right? You have lots of other different things that you're playing, but, you know, once you get to pros, your lane is set. And the question then becomes, why did someone pick those roles? Why did a pro player who is a top leaner pick that role? And when it comes down to it in football, in soccer, in all these other sports, you are developed and grown in this, you know, organized amateur scene that allows you to try different things, right? You're out there as a six-year-old playing soccer. No one has a position. You're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And... As you grow through the amateur scene, your coach is like, hey, you're going to try midfielder today. Hey, you're going to try defense today. Hey, you want to try goalie? And through that natural trial and error, you find the position that you are most fit for. And a a better example here is football, because if I am 6'3", but like 180, right? So I'm tall and thin, my position is not going to be offensive lineman, right? I need more mass, I need to be stronger to be able to push the other guy back. So I'm going to go more to a wide receiver position. All right, I am, I am 250 pounds, but I'm 5'6". You're not going to be catching the balls that the wide receiver is going to be catching, but you might be really good at linebacker. You might be really good at, at a running back position where you just need to put your head down, stay close to the ground, and drive through. But you know this because you develop and grow through an amateur scene that allows you to try different roles and positions. And you end up in a position based on your aptitude. But when you end up in that position, you have a broad understanding of the other positions because of that experience. In League of Legends, how do you pick your role? Growing up, how do you pick your role? Most of the time, it is because a buddy told them to go in that role. Ah, your buddy is an ADC, you're going into a support role. Ah, uh, You really like Impact, he is your hero, you're going to go top lane because you want to be like him. And because of the way that League of Legends works, you stay in that role and you don't learn other roles. And this is the cool part. This is what Parth was talking about. So there isn't an incentive to diversify at all either, because as soon as you end up in a scene that is structured, as soon as you get put on a prodigy's team or an amateur team, the focus is on winning. The focus is on winning and you have to focus on the things that you are good at. So if you've learned how to top lane, you've learned how to top lane with a short reign melee champion, you're not going to try a different champion because you're not going to win immediately. There is little emphasis on diversification because we are so outcomes focused. Outcomes focused. And I get it. We need to be outcomes focused. We need to win at the professional level. But what is the point of Prodigy's teams? What is the point of amateur teams? What is the point of teams? It is to develop players to be pros. So Parth is talking about how we need to focus on diversification before you get to the pros. You need to learn other roles and, and you need to learn other jobs so you have a deeper understanding of the game. And I think this is so cool because for me, you know, so the League of Legends season starts at the beginning of the year, goes through the entire year. You win a game, you get promoted. You win a game, you get promoted. You win a game, you get promoted. So we're focusing on winning, right? You, you find a champion that you're good at. You focus on that champion. You develop strategies that work for that champion and you find success. What happens when you get promoted from silver to gold? What happens when you get promoted to another, to another division, when you keep going up? Those skills and strategies that you learned for that one character no longer work because you are playing against highly skilled players who have seen that same shit before. They've seen it before. They know how to counter it. So you then have to learn new skills and strategies and you have this whole big learning period again and you do the same thing, right? I'm going to pick one or two champions. I'm going to learn a couple strategies that help me succeed at this champion and I'm going to get good outcomes. I'm going to get promoted and all of a sudden those outcomes aren't going well for me anymore because my skills and strategies are no longer applicable. We have to learn everything about the game. You have to, if you're just starting at a game or you want to get better at a game, instead of focusing on the same champion and getting better at that, focus on other champions, other roles. If you are a jungler and you're like, ah, I don't need to learn about laning. I can just focus on jungle pathing. I can focus on ganking. How do you know which lane to gank? How do you know which part of the map to go to if you don't understand lane mechanics, if you don't understand lane management? Maybe you're, so you look and and your top laner is way pushed back. He's almost under his own tower. So you're like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go gank this guy because he needs my help. What if he's intentionally freezing the lane? But if you don't understand lane mechanics, you don't understand that. You have to understand all of the roles. You have to diversify your knowledge. You have to understand the game. It's going to help you immensely, immensely. Just as it helps in traditional sports, it'll help in esports. And what Parth said is that there's no reason for a player to specialize in a roller champion before 16 years old. I love that. I am the uh, player development of probably like a 12-year-old now. So, you know, the new season started. I'm like, all right, I am going to grind Heimerdinger top lane. And I'm going to get so good at Heimerdinger top lane that I'm going to get into gold this season. I'm I'm going to get better and I'm going to get into gold. That's not going to help me. If Heimerdinger gets banned, it's not going to help me when I'm in gold. So instead of that, I'm going to focus on a diverse champion pool and I'm going to focus on other lanes, right? I'm going to learn, maybe I'm just going to learn ranged characters with similar abilities and have a champion pool to pull on. And then after I learned ranged champions with similar abilities, I'll focus on melee champs, right? Understand the game. Understand the game, understand the reasons for what you're doing things, and then the rest will follow. I hope you guys, I hope that I hope that makes sense. I highly encourage you to read this manifesto. It is like 50, 60 pages. There's a lot in it. But if you are even remotely involved in League of Legends or you're remotely involved in coaching or playing another esport, read it. It'll teach you so much. I'm only halfway through, to be honest with you. And I already have like five pages of notes. So we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, so next week, we'll talk about another topic. And so I guess, I guess if you don't want to read it, if you don't like reading, just listen to the podcast for the next couple of weeks and we'll talk about it in the intro. But that is enough of that. Uh, We are now on to our RX. right? The show is about getting better at gaming, but conceptual skills might sometimes take longer to work on. They might take longer to work on. So if you want to get better at gaming right now, here is one tip that you can do to improve your skill. Your brain needs to warm up just like the rest of your body, so do this simple exercise to prime your working memory before you sit down to crush some noobs. Grab some dice. Start off just throw one. As soon as the dice land, count the number in your head. At first, it's easy. After one, grab two dice. As soon as they land, count the sum. Work your way up. See if you can get all the way to six for an extra challenge or if you're warming up with your team, See if you can go head to head directly with someone else. Who can guess the number first? To get good at video gaming, you don't need fancy equipment or high tech training. All you need to do is try. Alright, y'all. That is our POGRX. It is time to introduce our guest. I had a great pleasure of meeting Matt at the All Admin meeting I went to in Seattle last month. Uh, he is known as Sunshine. Elsewhere, He is the team manager for the Counter-Strike team at Evil Geniuses. What is Counter-Strike? What is a team manager? What is a Sunshine? All of those things we will get into right now. Match Vital, welcome to the show. I'm going to call you Sunshine for the rest of this interview because I don't know you as anything else. So, how are you doing? Are you feeling... Sunny,
2: sunny. Doing good. Definitely very sunny. Uh, that works for me. Uh, beautiful Saturday uh, as I prepare for a boot camp and I'm slowly just trying to get as much sleep as possible before we leave.
1: Yeah, I, I, I respect that. I respect that. That's probably good getting it in. I'm just coming back from a boot camp, so my body is destroyed. So, yeah, yeah get that sleep in now. So, you're, coming, you're preparing for boot camp. I want to talk about that. So, in the intro, we mentioned you're the team manager for the Counter-Strike team for Evil Geniuses. What does that mean? What is a boot camp? What are you doing? What is your job?
2: Yeah, so I always say that being a team manager is sort of like being a professional babysitter. Um, essentially, you do everything for the players that is not anything in-game. So making sure they're eating right, making sure they're working out, making sure they're happy, that like their home life is good. All of the things that you don't want to have impacting in-game performance, mm-hmm. it is my job to make sure is going well. So I, I do a lot kind of working with them. It's sort of like being their friend while also being like a business asset for them because I'm balancing what the organization needs as well as what the players need. And so I'm the liaison between the two. So a lot of times there's sponsor assets that will come in and I'll have to handle that for them, but they'll also you know, want merch or they'll want something from our sponsors. And so it, it's a big back and forth thing that I sort of juggle for the players.
1: So you're at Evil Geniuses, and I'm at Evil Geniuses, and so we know how EG works. We also know how other orgs work. Some of them are really good about player health and wellness. Misfits has Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. Immortals has always prioritized performance. But some orgs still don't really believe in the outside of the game performance stuff. So you're talking about making sure they exercise, making sure they're they're sleeping. So how do you – what are your, like – things that you do with those factors to make people better at gaming
2: so uh i feel like a lot of times like people will understand that like athletes need to eat right they need to work out they need to do they need to sleep they need to be doing things outside of just you know running a football or hitting a baseball like they they need to do all these things and everyone accepts that but for gamers a lot of times people don't think that that's the same thing that they're you just put in 12 15 hours a day pull your all night sessions stream on Twitch and like that's how you get good. And I think that a lot of times my job is to a do the health and wellness stuff with them so they understand this isn't like a scary daunting concept. But it's also showing them that this is really going to be beneficial in showing them how whenever you're sleeping properly, whenever you're doing a little bit of reading, whenever you feel happy about what's going on in your life outside of the game, you play better or you at least feel better while you're playing. And I think that that's one of, one of the more important things to kind of show is that performance over time. Show them, hey, here's a tournament where you played your fourth tournament back to back to back to back. You weren't sleeping. You weren't working out. You weren't eating right. And your performance shows like you, you had one of your lowest ratings that, for that month. And then we show you what you look like in practice and in boot camp whenever you've worked out for a few weeks and you're feeling good, you're eating right, you're doing all that and you see their performance. And just showing the two of them like side by side, most players will understand at least theoretically, okay, there's something here. It might not be as quantifiable in their mind on the first pass as we would hope, but they start to understand and and they want to be successful. So they'll take any competitive advantage they get. So the second you show them a little bit, they're going to run with that as much as they can.
1: That is the thing, like getting to know these players a little bit more. And they're like, they are so competitive. The the whole stereotype of, of gamers does not apply to these guys at all. Why do you think, so you talked in the beginning, you're saying, you know, they think, you know, how you get better is grinding, grinding, and grinding and not focusing on these things. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the mentality is like that and so different from traditional sports?
2: Yeah, I think part of it comes to, I think, the accessibility of gaming is that like you can do it at home. And you can do it at any time. There is almost never a time where your queue times are that long. Sure, certain times of day, there's not as many people maybe playing your game, but realistically, it's just so accessible. Whereas, you know, if I'm a professional basketball player, I mean, if I'm a pro player, I probably have a court in my backyard, but all my players aren't as accessible, but all my friends are online as a gamer. I can hop on at any point and ping a group of friends and hop on and play. And I think that that accessibility leads to the idea that I need to put in so many hours. And like, I know you and I have talked a little bit about the idea of that 10,000 hour expertise level that you need to get to and how that's that's how you get good. And I think you'll find that a lot of high level performers and high, you know quality players do have thousands and thousands of hours in these games. But that doesn't always mean that they've been spending those hours right, that they've really been, that's 10,000 hours of quality practice. That could be time sitting on the lobby screen. That could be, you know, it should be some stuff in there about like death matching and VOD reviewing, you would hope. But I think a lot of people believe, like, I've hit 7,000 hours of gameplay. I should be a pro-level player. And that's not the same thing as if you spent 7,000 hours working on your free throw, that therefore now you'll never miss a free throw. Mm-hmm. And I think that that accessibility combined with that time sink is the disparity that people are, are seeing in gaming versus traditional sports.
1: I never thought about that before. Like, I've never thought about that because it's so accessible and you can just solo queue and grind all the time. That's why they're not. I wonder if you like trap a bunch of pro players in a room with no solo queue and see what they do, like, would that make them better? There's so many things. I
2: mean, it would probably make them better communicators at yeah, least because eventually true. they would want to get out. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing though is that I think that like solo queue and competitive experience that will only take you so far because you know practice makes permanent it doesn't actually make perfect the way that we've been taught as kids. Yeah. So I mean if you're playing solo queue all the time you're and you're doing the same thing over and over and over yeah come game day you're going to do the same thing but if all you've ever done is play and nobody's ever pointed out hey if you in league if you flash at a different time you'll get a different result if you've never tried that then you're never going to do it. And in the pro level game, whenever you see a situation that you haven't run into in that grind, you're kind of screwed. Your, your adaptation might not be as good as somebody that's gone back through and, and watched footage and looked at themselves and tried to improve their micro play, their macro play. There's a lot more that needs to happen besides just jump in, play the game, turn it off. And I think people that do that will only see minor jumps in skill. As opposed to those people that are really taking those times to to use the resources that exist to to figure out what's wrong with their play and find a way to fix it.
1: So I was I just got back from LA, and while I was there, I was talking to the League of Legends academy coach. His name's Sebastian. He's a super brilliant dude, and he was talking about how when he teaches his players, what he's trying to instill is game understanding rather than repetitions. Because you know, for me, I'm learning League of Legends, and I go to u.gg. When I'm playing a champion, I'm like, what runes do I need to play? What items do I need to take? And I plug those things in and I go. But I have no idea what the runes do. I have no idea what the items do. And and I don't understand the game. And so I'm, I'm just following what everyone else does. I don't have a game understanding. So when I come to a situation, I'm not reacting based on strategy. I'm reacting based on repetition, which is probably trash because I'm a silver level, level, level player. So how do you instill game understanding in a game like CS?
2: It's not as simple as I think a lot of people would hope. Um, I think that what's nice about CS at its core, while some people will tell you there's, you know, there's thousands of situations you can run into and, and different players that are going to do different things. Luckily, that there's not a certain level of items that you need to understand how all these items interact and what's the wave timing and all that kind of stuff. There's less variables from, I'd say, a textbook learning perspective. A lot of it then becomes understanding your ability and understanding what's gonna put you in the best position to succeed. Some, sorts of, some players are really good if they can set themselves up with a little bit of utility. I'd say every player benefits from utility usage, but some players really need it, and other players rely more on their aim, or they rely more on their positioning. And I think knowing what your skill is, knowing what sort of your specialty is, is what you kind of need to focus on to get better and to improve, and to be the most successful player you can be. If you're somebody that has doesn't know what their specialty is, I would always recommend start learning to throw utility. If it's not helping you, it's helping somebody else. And I think that that's always be- going to be beneficial but I think a lot of times with Counter-Strike, you need to learn how to be reactive and, and always have in your mind your your backup plans. Mm. You know, I'm here, I'm holding this angle. If my teammate dies, I can do this. If I hear a footstep here or here, the two places where I'm likely going to hear a footstep, I would do this. And I think walking yourself through those situations, even, I've done it before in notebooks, I've just sat there and been like, I play in this position. If I hear X, I go here. And like writing out a little bit of a decision tree... It helps me then whenever I'm in the game that I can at least do that. And whenever I do that five times and I die every time, I go back through and I say, okay, clearly this decision tree sucks. So here's what I need to do instead. You know, I'm doing this, but this isn't really working. What would make it an advantageous position for me then instead? And I think kind of working through whatever your decision trees are combined with your own skill sets and your specialties is what will kind of make you successful. I don't know if I lost track of where we were at, but I think that makes sense.
1: There's no, there's never, never a track. We're always going down the decision tree words
2: just coming out words
1: just come out that's so interesting because you doing that decision tree if someone is plateauing with their skill level them doing that twice three times will probably give them that extra performance boost that they needed because we're just we're so stagnant so you hold on I want to circle back because we don't really talk about counter-strike as much on this podcast as we talk about other games can you go through really quickly the roles of in the game because I mean, I of course I know them perfectly, just for the right? People at home. Of course.
2: Um, so what's interesting about CS is I'll say since it's an attack and defense sided game, there's different roles for each side, and some teams will play it a little differently. On your attack side, uh, or your terror side, um, you tep- typically have your in game leader, uh, it's the person kind of your shot collar, your quarterback, um, they're the ones deciding where everyone goes. I do, yeah.
1: Typically... <laughs>
2: You'll have your opper, who is, you know, your sniper. Um, they're, you know, the, they're a one-shot kill weapon, so they're normally somebody you're trying to set up for success. Hold a certain angle sometimes, depending on the player, they're more aggressive. And then after that, you have entry players. They're the first guy in, they're the person clearing out angles. Sorry, first player in. Uh, clearing angles, you know, seeing who's where, making really strong call-outs. Their communication is really key. Uh, you have support players, they're your, your people throwing grenades, helping out the entry or the sniper, kind of giving them uh, some ability to do stuff. And then you have lurkers, people that are on the opposite side of the map, kind of giving equal pressure, so that way the, other, the defense doesn't really know what's going on. Um, and also sometimes sneaking in as people are rotating, kind of stabbing them in the back um not every team runs all five of those spots sometimes your sniper is your in-game leader sometimes your support player can also be a lurker it's not as regimented as i would say like football is where like a wide receiver is not also a defensive lineman like that's not a thing except in like high school so um those positions kind of help you set up for success and then on defense you sort of have anchors people that will kind of stay on their site you have your sniper again and then you'll have people that play more rotational spots Uh, Those are the ones that are willing to shift as there's pressure on different sides of a map. If the attackers are all going A, the rotator from B will kind of shift over. Every team, like I said, plays a little different. Some people play a lot more fluid in the same way that in basketball, you can play man defense or you can play zone. You know, there's different ways to do it and there's no right or wrong answer. A lot of it is just how you work with your teammates.
1: Do you find that different personality types are like stereotyped to different roles or is it kind of... Because when okay. I when I hear this, I'm like, okay, IGL, that's me. I'm the bossy one. Like, like I want to be in charge, and you, and I feel like you're. So do do you find that at all? And you don't have to give us any specifics.
2: I won't I won't name any names. Uh, and obviously, I've been so I've been through like the collegiate scene as well as in the pro scene. So I've seen developmental players as well as people that are at the top of their game. Um, and I would say generically, the stereotypes that you would think of are, are there. You know, the in-game leader tends to be. Could be the bossier one. (laughs) Typically, I would more see them as the more analytical one, the person that can sort of do the math the fastest in their heads. Um, I also find them to be probably the most creative, typically, on teams, because they have to interpret a lot with minimal data. They only get the words the teammates are saying, and they have to basically figure out what's going on with only being able to see their own perspective. And that can be a lot to do. Um, I'd say, in general, your... more selfless players tend to be either your entry fraggers or your supports because entry tends to die very early in the round to get information. And the support player is normally like the last guy in, so they're really just helping everyone else out. Um, And then I'd say like your sniper tends to be your superstar. That tends to be the person that gets all the credit because if your sniper's going and getting like 20, 30 kills a game, you're probably winning. You're probably doing fairly well, but if they're dropping three, four, five, you're probably not doing too well. So they're a very pivotal kind of star power player. But what's fun is that while we have superstar snipers in, in, in Counter Strike for sure and superstar IGLs that are just big brain kind of players, it's always exciting for me whenever I see like a support player being the person that does the interviews and the person that's kind of like that fun lively personality. Because I think as a support player and and an in game leader from my own perspective. I know the value of that support player. They're really that glue that holds the team together. So I think having a good support uh, on your team is really a make or break kind of thing. Without that, everyone else is kind of dependent on their own individual skill and you're not getting that, you know, some of the parts is greater than the individuals kind of outcome without Mm -hmm. a great support.
1: It's also about the consistency too, right? So like if you're fragging out, great, that's awesome. But that's not like as reliable as just providing excellent sports like defense and hockey like if, yeah. if your defense might not be doing the flashy plays but the, you're, they're not getting scored on you're not getting scored on and I actually I'm, I met um Vulcan our support player for the LCS CG LCS and he is like one of the most impressive dudes I've ever met in my entire life and he is that support and that consistency and I am like so excited for our team like because of all the other players too but like Vulcan oh my god it's so pumped
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's, I think that's the thing is that you'll find every team is different. You know, some teams rally around a star, a a big name personality. You know, you can look at like Navi, best Counter-Strike team in the world right now. And and Simple, a player that has been arguably a top five player since he got on the scene, really, last four or five years. He's an insane player. And like the team does rally around him, but that guy's also never had... I think someone posted on Reddit I saw a few days ago. He only had one game in 2021 across like probably 90 some games where he dropped less than 10
1: kills. (laughs) And it
2: was a game against a team that has been cited for cheating. Oh, So Mm. whether they cheated or not, I, I don't have any data and I'm not saying anything about that. But they've been cited and there's definitely some investigation going on around that. And it's the only game where he didn't drop 10. And so you have to sort of look at that situation and say, listen, he's at least performing insanely. Like his consistency level is just higher than like me on a good day. And (laughs) whenever you have something like that, yeah, that's going to help carry your roster a lot. And that's going to help you succeed. But every game that they won handedly, especially whenever they made their major run. You're looking at the second, the third star. You're looking at your bit or your performance um, or your uh, boombish. These players that are also on this roster that don't aren't as flashy maybe as that main superstar of simple, but when they're having a good game, the whole team's riding. And I think that that's what's so important is whoever that second in line is, third in line is, they're the ones that are going to make or break that game. Because if your number one player is not playing well, they're the ones picking up the slack. They're the ones that are stepping up and holding it down for the team.
1: Totally. All right. This has been absolutely fantastic. I have one more question for you. So right. if you went to medical school, became a doctor, got a prescription pad, and you were talking to an aspiring pro gamer, and you could write down one thing on that prescription pad that would make them play better tomorrow, you can only get one thing. One thing. What would it be?
2: Uh, can I write a paragraph to them?
1: You, can, But it no has kidding. to be one thing. You can explain it, but it has to be one thing.
2: I would say I would honestly say that I would just write down take care of yourself I I think taking care of yourself individually is going to benefit you a as a human just long term but also you'll find yourself being a better player a better human just a, a better teammate and I think a lot of times we look past the fact that I've played with every personality type and Counter-Strike breeds every personality type from very selfless people to very aggressive people to selfish people to the, the nicest humans I've ever met. And I think that the people I find the most success with in game are the people that really understand their own emotional side, that understand how to keep their emotions, bring them up when they need to and not release them on other people when it's negative. They know how to handle their own uh, you know, mental fluctuations, their own personal life they're the ones that sort of are going to be the glue of your team. And they're the people I want to play with the most. So number one thing for any player is take care of you. And if that means you're focusing on your financial health, you know, a thing that I think almost nobody talks about whenever they talk about health, financial wellness is huge. Then go do that. You know, the last thing you want is to be worried about where your bills are going to get paid or or any of that. If it's your mental health, if it's your physical health, uh, if it's nutrition, whatever it might be, just focus on you and it'll make you a better player.
1: I love it. I love it. Perfect sunshine absolute pleasure having you on the show i know you are headed off to europe shortly to boot camp so uh take care of yourself while you're there follow your own advice and thank you so much for being on the show
2: thanks for having me it's been fun
1: oh my god okay sunshine wants us to take care of ourselves you guys i do not prep these guests I do not tell them what to say. I don't even tell them I'm going to ask that question. And let's face it, a lot of them don't listen to this podcast, so they have no idea what's coming. So when people say something like that, like Take Care of Yourself, I, you could probably see it in my eyes. It's like I I lose it. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I think I'm going to put together a clip of all of the recommendations that our past 22 guests have made because it's these, it's these highly technical, esoteric... People who have such a huge game understanding and game knowledge, but then they come down to it and they're like, oh yeah, sleep more. Oh yeah, eat healthier. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. It's just, it's so cool. It's the, bound, the foundation, the basis of getting better, whether it's video gaming, whether it's traditional sports, whether it's your job, your career, your love life, it's all the same. Success in one area, breed success in another area. Be successful. I hope, I hope, I hope you have been more successful based on what you've learned in this podcast. If you are, if you have had any sort of change in your life or something has worked, please tell me. I love hearing from you guys. I I absolutely love it. I am on Twitter at GamerDoc underscore. I want to hear about it. I do. And if you tweet at me, I'll tweet back. I promise. As long as it's even just like a little bit intelligent or funny. So I don't know. Maybe do it. I don't know. That is it. That has been your X episode for today. We will see you next week. Have a happy and a healthy week. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this show. For more information, follow GamerDoc on Twitter at GamerDoc underscore. And please remember, nothing in this video is medical advice. Yes, I am a doctor, and yes, you may need help. But this is the internet, and this is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Thank you, and have a very nice day.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.